Welcome to the Roaring Motherhood podcast, where we encourage nourishment, education, and healing through an informed, holistic, and faith-filled lens. How do we as mothers in a vital part of Christ's army step out of line and share the good, the bad, and the ugly, no matter the consequence? Join me and my guests as we navigate certain topics through boldly proclaiming God's call for us as women and mothers. Well, welcome everybody. We are here at the Roaring Motherhood podcast with our friend um, over at Pain-Free Childbirth, and I am going to jump right into things and let you introduce yourself, and then we'll get started on our actual topic. Sounds so good. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Nissa Andrews, and um, as Marissa said, I um, do run Pain-Free Childbirth. You can find me on Instagram. Um, and I love all topics about birth, uh, you know, postpartum, pregnancy, all of that. So, uh, yeah, this is this is so fun. I'm so glad you had me join in. Yes, thank you so much. Now, I knew that with everything that's been going on here lately, you were one of the um, pages that I followed that spoke bold about certain topics. And that's why I wanted to reach out and with you not just for the podcast but just in general because I think that in today's society a lot of can be very timid or um, don't want to be bold about speaking on controversial topics and so I wanted to start off the podcast kind of <laughs> with a bang um, because this topic <laughs> is controversial um, but I feel like it's definitely needed especially with the Christian community and with motherhood and what I feel like um, defense right now as far as that stuff goes. So what we are going to be talking about today is the myths and facts over the Roe v. Wade ruling, um, what that has to do about us as Christians, us as mothers and women, and kind of just our thoughts on it um, and all that. So what we're going to do first is jump into what your thoughts are on it. Just when it happened, what were you thinking? And since then, what has been your mindset on everything? Wow. Well, I think when it happened, I felt a lot of joy and celebration in the fact that it was just so many years of prayers um, for the unborn. And it just felt like there was a turning. And so I felt a lot of joy. And I also could feel the heartache in the world of just the pain at the same time. So it was kind of an interesting feeling because um, I think anytime you pinpoint something as a life issue um, and you change a law in regards to it, it shows the world kind of all that's underneath that. And so that's why you see like an outcry of, well, what about this? And what about this? When this happens to women, when this happens to women, it's like all of a sudden now, because it's a law, we see, we see the sin, we see the pain in the world, right? That's caused by things. And so all that stuff comes to the surface. And so my heart breaks for, for women at the same time for what we like, what the world is going through as far as pain and the things that we see because of sin. Um, but also a big celebration that life is we consider life in the womb at conception now and it changes things and it shows people the need for 
that there's such a deeper need than just the life issue. There's, there's a lot of things that we can, as women and as Christians, get behind and support women and, and be the love um, and release love in this time and support. Yeah, I agree because I feel like it has to do with, to me, it's a good versus evil thing. So much Mm -hmm. tries to consume us in a way where it turns us against our faith or against God. And so even as a Christian community or even just Christian mothers, like we see a lot of people who still will let worldly ideals creep into where they still try to justify the sin um, rather than calling the sin out, but also being able to love the people and the things that are happening in a way that doesn't turn people away from Christ. It doesn't turn them away from us. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're able to understand that what's going on is not, you know, what God had for us and our children. Um, And so I just think it's a very telling time right now. And there's a lot of misconceptions um, with what actually was ruled over. And I've seen a few pages go over that stuff, but I kind of wanted to jump into that and be able to talk about those, um, those misconceptions and those. Yeah. All right. So the first thing we were going to mention is what I feel like gets brought up most of the time, which is, well, what about rape or incest? Um, and do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things like, again, I said, you know, it's as, as Christians, we look at it, it's the same as when the law was put into place. It shows, like you said, the good and the evil. It shows where we fall short. And the the great thing is, is it shows us that we need a savior, right? It's like, there's just stuff in the world and we need, we need Jesus. We need a savior. And there are horrible things that happen in this world. Um, rape and incest and molestation and all those kinds of things, they happen. And and we see that in society. Um, I actually have experienced those kinds of things. And so I can talk from my own experience um, because I have a lot of people, they say, well, what about if this happens, if that happens and you would make, you know, your own daughter, you know, deal with these things. And, and I understand that sin hurts. There's pain in the world and, and people can see that. But taking a life doesn't help any trauma. It adds to the trauma. And so as a young girl, I was 14 and I dealt with, I was disobedient to my parents. I went to a party and I was raped by a couple of guys while I was there. And I was scared to death. I I felt a lot of trauma. I felt a lot of shame. I knew that I wasn't where I was supposed to be. So I felt a lot of shame and guilt for that decision that I made, um, thinking it was my fault, all of these things. There's so many things that go into play. My, my life at the time, my home life wasn't very stable. It was pretty dysfunctional. Um, I didn't feel super safe at home either. And so I was scared to death to <laughs> talk to my parents, um, to call them, to get the help I needed at that moment. Um, you know, I, I ended up in the hospital to receive care. And then they asked me while I was there, well, would you like, you know, an abortion pill the day after pill? Um, you should really take it because of blah, blah, blah. We understand. And inside right away, I was just like, I, I felt this m- more moral thing in me. Um, 
just knowing it was life. I don't know, you know, I just couldn't do it. Even though I was feeling trauma, there was a lot of heartache, there was a lot of pain. I didn't want anybody to know about this event, right? So it's like, I wanted to hide. Um, I was depressed. I dealt with all kinds of things because of that. Um, in that time, I was a young girl, I was 14. And so in that moment, you know, they, they asked and, and I refused to take it. And they really pressured me to take it, to be honest with you. And I was 14. I was vulnerable. I was really scared. Um, and they pressured and pressured and pressured. And it, I, I'm so glad that even to this day, I can say, you know, I, I just said, no, I'll, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. And I didn't take it. That's my personal story. But after the fact, um, and probably because of all the trauma and all these things, I didn't have my period for a couple of months. And I was, uh, you know, I was feeling like, well, I could possibly be pregnant. Like, what's going on? I was scared. I didn't want to take a test. So I was like, um, just all of that. I just wanted to pretend like nothing happened and move on with my life. Um, but I was dealing with a lot of pain. I ended up did get my period, whether I had a miscarriage or not. I don't know. Um, I think honestly from trauma and understanding physiology because of doing birth and birth education, um, our body innately, when you are actually in fight or flight or freeze mode, um, all the oxygen, everything goes away from your organs and your reproductive organs, organs. So the chance of you actually getting pregnant when you are literally in that mode of fight fight or flight and really scared um, is really, really slim, to be honest with you. Um, so anyways, I had to go through all of that. And I understand the pain and the trauma. And that's where I understand where women have made choices or they feel like it was their way out or they felt pressured by the medical system to take things. And they're just thinking, oh, this is better for my life. They're saying your life, you know, will be so much better and you don't have to worry about it. And you're just confused and you're scared. And so I understand all of those things that come at you. You feel shame, you feel um, all of these things. And so the thing is, is life is valuable no matter, no matter how it was conceived. And the Bible mm -hmm. tells us that you know, uh, children are a blessing, they're a gift, they're a reward from God. So no matter how the conception is, you know, even if it was under a horrible way, what we're told is that the child isn't a, a gift. And the Lord tells us otherwise, it's, there's joy, there's things that can come from sowing into life, right? And yeah. you reap life, you sow life, you reap life, you know? Um, and any additional things will just add trauma to us. And so I didn't have to face that. I mean, I, if I took that pill, I don't know how I would feel today. Like, you know, um, there's guilt. And I, I have many friends who have, you know, I've talked to women who've gone through that, have taken it. And then there's additional guilt for things like that. And it's a really hard thing to walk through. It's difficult. There's so much mercy with God. Um, and he walks us through hard things and he doesn't hold anything against us. And so there's so much mercy. We don't have to be stuck in, in guilt or shame or condemnation because there's no condemnation in Christ. Even if, if there's women who have chosen to do things like that, um, there's no condemnation in Christ. 
but there, there doesn't mean that life isn't life at conception and that it has value and that there can be, your life can be beautiful. Even if you've had horrible things happen in your life, you can have an amazing life. Your life isn't over. Um, and, and children are a blessing, you know, and I've seen stories of women who have uh, actually dealt with rape or incest and have, have children from it. And their stories are beautiful as far as what God brought them through and how they see, you know, they see their children and their children speak out about it too. Like I'm valuable and, yeah. and knowing that my mom, you know, recognized life and I was valuable it's just a powerful thing to sow into life. It's just crazy. I mean, and the, like you said, the stories that you hear, the testimonials on where, how it ended up being versus where they are now and, and how looking back, like even through such trauma and, and um, such, I feel like I haven't experienced that, but just what I feel looking on the outside in is, that it's just a hard thing to overcome and <clears throat> you're not necessarily constantly reminded, but I feel like now with things like this, where it's all people talk about, um, you know, we have access to all these things through social media and stuff. Like I can see where it would be super hard to heal from something like that. And so it's just amazing to hear women's stories on things that are so evil and traumatic and, but the blessings and like you were saying, like the gift that comes from that. Um, and so again, I just don't, I don't understand how that is a viable argument for letting go of a child who's innocent in all of that as well. And, and just why does their life not matter? Um, and so I thank you for sharing your story mm -hmm. too, because it's, it's amazing to hear. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is women, um, we're told that it isn't life. We're told that it's, you know, just tissue. It's just this. Um, and when you're in pain, you'll latch onto anything. And then because if you go through with the decision, then to cope with the decisions you've made, you know, you just keep, you know, repeating the, those beliefs, those things, because it's painful, you know, it is painful to think, well, if it really was a person, did I do something, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's just a hard, it's a hard reality, just as any pain you go through, whether it be rape, molestation, sexual abuse, um, any of those things, they're, they're painful. Nobody likes to talk about it. Um, it it's not a fun topic. You know, it's, we don't like going through hard things. Um, and so a lot of it is education is understanding what is a living thing and what is a non-living thing <clears throat> it's going back to to life science like what we teach our kindergartners and our fourth graders um because what the narrative that we've been taught for so long is that it's not living it's just tissues it's just cells it's not viable and that's not true and so that's one of the myths about abortion because viable actually means capable of surviving, growing and developing. And so anything that is capable of growing and developing means it's viable. So it's not, oh, when they can breathe at, you know, when they can be born at 20, 
two weeks and mm -hmm. be able to breathe on their own, they're viable. That's, that's not the definition of viable. Viable literally means it, it has the capability of surviving. It has the capability of developing. Um, and that's what the fetus is doing is it's developing and living things means it's lively, it's active. It, living things scientifically means made up of cells which form tissues that's what living things means it forms tissues and those tissues combine to to form organs right and and this all works together as a system and it's developing the the fetus is developing from the moment of conception as soon as those cells it means a living thing it grows it uh requires movement it responds to to stimuli and senses things um that's why even in the womb when you get ultrasounds you can see the baby moving it can respond to sounds it can respond to you talking um it responds to things that's a sign of a living thing um it requires energy right and in order for the cells to break up and do it's requiring energy non-living things do not have any of those those things um non-living things don't grow they don't use energy they don't have cells that's the definition of a non-living thing. It's um, it's unresponsive, right? It doesn't respond to stimulus to stimuli. Um, it has no organ organization. It doesn't have tissues and all of that. It it can't reproduce. It can't grow. And so when we look at it, even from the basic scientific level, and we really think about what is a living thing because that's the thing they try the, the argument is is it, it's not living but mm -hmm. even the cells that is in science go back to life science and really just google it you know it's like life science is cells it's energy it's it's being it's tissues that end up forming into it's growing it's has growth it's it's viable it's life um, just like a plant, you know, it's it's a seed. Sperm is a seed, right? And if you put a plant in the ground and it it conceives, right, with the soil, what happens? It breaks open. It's alive. It's growing. It's doing what it's meant to do. Is it a fully mature plant? No, not yet, but it's viable. It's able to grow into a full mature plant, right? Unless if we uproot yeah. it. So it's the same. It's the same with our wombs it's the same with the fetus it's the same with the unborn child and so that argument of if it's alive or not alive it doesn't even matter if the heart i mean the whole thing is well even the heartbeat you know the earliest detectable heartbeat is for about four weeks now um with our machines anyways there could be a heartbeat before then um just with the machines that we've invented so far that's the earliest we can detect it as humans um, not saying that it's not actually formed before then, but maybe not, but, but living thing is from the moment of conception because it's cells, it's, it has everything that states that it's a living thing. So, um, that's where, you know, I, I have to look back at that. And, and so that's that argument of, is it alive? Is it not alive? And so I think as women, we've been duped to believe that, it doesn't matter that it's not a living thing um and that it had there's no repercussions mm -hmm. for any of the things that we do and we can talk about that more um just the risks of even having abortions yeah well and just justifying the timeline of when 
get an abortion or when to not, you know, like if I do it within this time frame, then um, I don't believe that it's life. And so like, I'm in the clear from any like mental thing, you know, thinking that maybe I did accident or not accidentally, but I did do something, you know, bad. Um, mm -hmm. But there's abortions that can be done way longer and it's obviously a child and you know there so i mean we can go back and forth on with people on things like but it's just it's just crazy to see how many women are still okay with with abortions far along as well and how yes going back to science and all that we we can read it and a lot of people don't. A lot of people just want to spew off their talking points, I feel like, rather than actually looking at the information surrounding it. But to justify something that can be so late in pregnancy, too, is just so heartbreaking that now we have women who, who think that is okay. And instead of not necessarily counseling them, but like being there for people and... Um, being a reasonable person, people who don't agree with us, um, I don't think that they've had the opportunity to really have reasonable, com reasonable conversations with people who are pro-life because I think at the end of the day, if they would, would be able to show them the science and what scripture says and, you know, the reasons why we believe and are saying these are untrue things then they would have to take a step back. There would be no denying that. Um, just like you may see like viral videos go around of um, people interviewing like people off the street and showing them like abortion videos. And then their whole mindset changes just from that one video. So it's just, mm -hmm. I feel a lack of education as well. You know, we've, um, like you mentioned earlier, we have it to where, you're so scared and you think, oh, I have to trust what, what people are telling me my life's over or, you know, whatever. I have to have this done when it's completely the opposite. It's what you make of your life. And it's not a, it's not a death sentence if you decide to keep your child just because it's not the ideal situation right then and there. Um, right. Well, yeah. And that's, I feel like, you know, that's what society paints and that's what they've painted over birth, over pregnancy, over all these things is it's, it's not a blessing. It's a curse, right? That's what, mm -hmm. that's the narrative that they're sending is that, um, all of these things, it's a negative narrative, um, which to me, I believe is a lie. You know, uh, that's, that's how I see it. I believe birth at all levels is a blessing, you know, um, understanding that shifts things and understanding that, you know, we, we aren't in control of maybe what happens to us, but, but we are in control of how we respond to the situations. Um, and that's what, what really makes or breaks our life, right. You know, is what we choose to do. And so, um, but I think a lot of women just don't have that support. They, especially if you're in a tumultuous um, home, all of these things, you don't feel like you have somebody to turn to, you don't. And so this is why I say this is our time for women, us, especially as those in the body of Christ to, to arise and to do the work and to help women um, who are feeling alone, who don't know what to do, who feel scared, 
Um, and they need, they need strong women in their lives who can speak life into the whole situation because speaking life in every situation turns things around, right? So yeah. it's really important that we begin to speak life over all of these narratives, even if people don't want to hear it right now. It's like, we've got to, to bring life in, you know, we got to speak life. We're called to speak life as Christians. So yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, some other things that I had was about um, what that means for those that had or have miscarriages or mm -hmm. what about in the instance of a medical emergency? Um, mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people think that this Roe v. Wade ruling includes that. Um, and right. so those 13 states that have already banned abortion completely includes that but it's not true and um again it goes back to the education for me um i have a little bit of background in like researching um bills and laws and things like that and if we could just get people to where they realize like read it before you speak on it um mm -hmm. you'd be able to see how that's not true right yeah i mean i know that's something that a lot of people are saying you know it's like if any woman has a miscarriage, you know, she can now go to jail. You know, it's like, okay, well, where is that fear? Where is that coming from? Like, who is, who is saying that? So when you look into it and, um, I know because some women on the forms. So if you, if you miscarry and you end up getting a DNC, for instance, um, that is a procedure that is what they use for abortion, right? And so on the surgical forms, it's going to say abortion because surgical forms show what procedure was used. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the surgical history includes all the invasive procedures that a woman, in this case, it would be a woman, um, has undergone. But we don't go by what the surgical form says, it's the medical history. So then you have the surgical form that says exactly what procedure was used, DNC, and it may state, you know, abortion, but medical history is what states whether it was elective, an elective abortion or a spontaneous abortion, meaning like that you chose to terminate the baby, uh, which is uh, elective. It means like that's what my choice was to medically abort the baby um, or a spontaneous abortion means that the baby just died on its own, right? It's aborting on its own. It's just what your body's doing. We use the same word for spontaneous labor as doulas and in, in the birth world, right? It's like there's, you know, medical induction of labor yeah. and there's spontaneous uh, birth, right? Which means that your body did it naturally. And so that's what it's showing you in those forms. And so some women they're going, oh, but it shows it's abortion. No, that's just the surgical form telling you the procedure, but the medical history states that it was a miscarriage, right? It was spontaneous. It has nothing to do. Now, if it says an elective abortion, then there may be problems, right? But not for miscarriage. And and so those, um, those arguments, it's not in the law at all but for miscarriage. Yeah. And also that even if an abortion was done in a state where it's now illegal, it's not even a place where the mom would be 
persecuted. It would be the per the doctor who performed or whoever performed the abortion. So the laws that are um, make it illegal, it's still technically, according to those laws, not illegal for the mother. It's illegal for those who perform it. Um, So even like they probably, if, if it's illegal, it'd probably be done under the table or something anyway. So I don't even know if they would have paperwork on it. But even then, some people were bringing up auditing. Like, what if I got audited and had to have, you know, my medical record? And because your records are normally protected between you and your doctor. So unless you're right. just sharing those out there and being like, hey, look what my papers say. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be an issue anyway. It should be right. your confidentiality on whether or not it was elective or spontaneous. But um, and that's just where verbiage comes comes into play. And so. Again, it's just one of those quick things that spouted off people, um, spouted out of people's mouths too quickly before even knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so then some more things were um, guns have more rights than women do now um, because of the recent ruling. And I know it, this one's kind of not necessarily anything to do with faith or anything like that. Just the sense that it, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, they can't, they can't vote. They can't, um, choose what religion they are. I mean, all the things they can't freely speak. I mean, they're literally just an object. So it's just, it's crazy to see how far out the accusations or arguments will go, um, to mm-hmm. protect something like abortion. Right. Well, even that, I mean, you still, there's still laws that you can't take life. I mean, you're not allowed to use guns to take anybody's life. And if you do, there's consequences. Um, So, you know, that argument doesn't really stand too much to me because the the purpose is life still does matter. And it's Mm -hmm. important how you use the gun. Yes, policemen need it. Um, People go hunting, people, you know, they use it for all kinds of things but we cannot take another person's life with it. Well, yeah, you're completely right. Um, All right. So another one was that I like to talk about is I've heard, um, well, what about separation of church and state? Um, We hear that a lot with not just abortion, just kind of any hot topic that has to do with Christianity and the United States. Um, And people think that, Um, This is a legit thing that's in the Constitution, but it's actually that phrase, separation of church and state, is not anywhere in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's actually a term that was coined by Thomas Jefferson saying that the church should be freed from the state so that the interfere on the church, not the other way around. And so, um, and plus the Roe v. Wade ruling doesn't have anything to do with I mean, it does, but it doesn't, when you look at the law, have anything to do with it being about Christianity. Um, Like Mm -hmm. it is for us, you know, as believers, but it's not for, it's not in the constitution that it's because of Christianity that we are now overturning Roe v. Wade. (laughs) Right. Well, and like, you know, our constitution, our, our declaration of independence states that everybody Uh, all men are created equal, right? And we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All, all people. Um, 
that includes men, women, children, unborn babies. It's, it's all, all people. And so, and it says that anything that comes, uh, infringes, infringes on that, that we should, we have the right to abolish those laws, laws that mm-hmm. infringe on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so this falls under that, right? Because yeah. you're, you're taking the life of an unborn child. And so they don't have, uh, they, they have no way of ever having life, liberty, or pursuit of happiness. So you're infringing on that for that voiceless group of people who may not be out of the womb yet, but they are alive and growing and developing. Um, and so we are stripping them of that right, which is part of our independence. It's part of what we were founded on. And so it's really important that we we take a look at that, you know, because all, like we talk about, all lives matter and we all should be able to have that right to life, liberty and pursuit of happiness. For sure. All right. Well, the next thing I was going to touch on, I know that you and your husband are a part of a nonprofit or started a nonprofit. And so Mm -hmm. it kind of leads into the next section on like ways that we can help these women and these, these babies, if they do choose life and they do keep these babies, but they still are in unfortunate circumstances, Mm -hmm. or maybe they did elect to have an abortion, but now are dealing with the trauma surrounding that or just seeking guidance on um, what to do next or how to get through it. Um, I know that a big thing is most of the pregnancy centers are um, Um, pro-life. Most people that started are Christians. So definitely a place where they have resources for women. Um, But I didn't know if there was like any specific nonprofits um, like overall through the U.S., that are for these kind of things. I know live action, I guess, is one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Care, we have, yeah, CareNet is one. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and places like that. So, do you have any other like recommendations for us as Christian women or just women in general, like how we can help these moms and babies? Yeah, um, CareNet is one. Heartbeat Box is another. Um, and what I'm doing, what I'm starting to do right now is I'm making a list of all the pregnancy care centers in my area. So you can look up the pregnancy care centers within your vicinity. And, um, what I'm going to do is find out what they need, how, how we can help, what kind of resources do they need? Um, how much money do they need to do these things? Are, can we drop off, you know, things for them like diapers or, Like, what is it? What are the needs of the community and how can we help to fill them? And so I'm starting to do that right now. It's putting together lists in my own area. So I'll just share what I'm doing. And, um, and we're doing this for our own nonprofit so that we can reach out and have people be able to help and and get help these care centers to give more voice. Cause a lot of people don't realize the good work that's happening all around because the narrative is there's no help. There's no, and there are so many resources and they need, they need more funding. They need more help. They need more donations to reach more women. And we really, there's going to be a lot of women that need that support and help, especially now. And so it's really important for us to get involved. And so one of the ways you can get involved is, is just look up pregnancy care centers in I'm in Orange County, so I just write pregnancy care centers all in Orange County, you know, and there's like a list of 10 of them. And you can even call foster 
places and say, how can I help, you know, in this situation? There's so many ways that we can help. Um, and because they will tell you, they will give you a list of all the things that are needed. And then you can just figure out what are things that you can do um, or even things you can organize with other women at your church or, yeah. you know, put things on to to help these fill these needs. Yeah, because that's what we're doing as the moms of our homeschool co-op is um, we all were texting each other the other day and almost in unison, we're like, we just called the pregnancy center or we just went by the pregnancy center and was like, uh, it's crazy to see. I mean, us group of women, we already knew like what, like what was in our area, not necessarily knew that, but knew like that we needed to do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit like life can, you know, have you going around like crazy and you just forget to help other people. And so it's really been a kick in the butt, I guess, to be like, mm -hmm. okay, we need to start getting back on track um, and volunteering. I know our pregnancy center lets you volunteer. And so you can, they have like a store for women to like, just get stuff for their child or themselves. Mm -hmm. Or um, there's a store downtown that's actually, um, she's the owner of the pregnancy center, but she also runs a nonprofit for sex trafficking. So anything you buy at the store, like a hundred percent of the proceeds goes towards those two nonprofits. Um, and it's just amazing. And I'm in North Carolina, but still like an hour South of any major city, but, um, in my small town that there's already two places in a town of probably 30,000 that I can reach out to and, and, you mm -hmm. know, offer help to. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, that and if you find, else. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and if you find women who are in need, who need supplies, need food, need help, need some assistance. I mean, there's, there's wonderful food places, food distri distribution places. It's good mm -hmm. to just make lists of things so that when you meet people who are in need, you can point them to, oh, here's a place where you can go get your groceries um, that will help you you know, fill in some things with like milk. And, yeah. um, and so I know of warehouses, even in my area that we work with that, you know, we help, you know, to distribute food for people in need. And so it's just good to know all the different resources that are available, because uh, that's why we need each other, because there's so many great nonprofits, there's so many great people who are doing amazing work that mm -hmm. are wanting to help. And so even if you can't go and do it all on your own, just find those organizations and sew into them. You know, it's yeah. a great way to be able, they need, they need the donations. So. Yeah. Well, and just being a part of like the birth community, um, the past couple of years, like it's, it's crazy to see how many people are doulas and stuff around. Um, Cause even in my town, we, we are military, so we are military base, but, um, they have a lot of stuff they do on base, but mm -hmm. it's just mainly for military, which is needed. But, um, it was nice to know that we had plenty of doulas and other birth workers in my small town to even help with that stuff too. And not that they necessarily align with me 100% or anything like that, but just knowing that I can reach out to see like if they even know of stuff because we're not from here. Um, and it, it'll, that'll be a good thing. Like you were saying, like making a list because now I need to do that <laughs> and uh, be able to share that because there's so much. And um, 
I know in your area too, like there's so many big areas um, that there's enough to go around where we don't have to feel mm -hmm. like, oh, they've, they've probably got enough help. <laughs> you can always mm -hmm. help and you can always at least donate or um, offer something. Mm -hmm. um, another thing was even things like local women's shelters. My old church where we came from had like a, um, a house in Little Rock, Arkansas that would um, employ women and also let them stay in this certain house. I forget the name of it. And it was for those who had been raped or sexually abused or whatever, whether they ended up pregnant or not. Um, abortions, those that had gone through abortions, um, and being able to like heal them as a community together. But they also got to work in like the thrift store. So they were learning about how to get back on their feet and things like that. And so mm -hmm. even resources like that to where we can help foster those relationships and get women back out there feeling confident and, and capable um, after something traumatic. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then also I um, put on my notes about prayer for fostering or adopting. That's something that is definitely a step above just volunteering or donating, but mm -hmm. it is something I feel like if you're praying about things that um, are life-changing like that, mm -hmm. and it's worth giving a thought and a prayer about and really discussing if you were able to do that in the ways, mm -hmm. because even we're an hour south of Raleigh, but in Raleigh itself, there's like five foster and adoption agencies that are faith-based and that do all they can to make costs either free or very low cost because we hear that fostering and adopting can be so expensive. Um, and there's just so many factors that play into that, but just over a big decision like that is mm -hmm. another amazing step to help. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, do you have anything else to add? If not, we will get off of here. Yeah. Um, I guess there were just a couple things I just thought it'd be cool to end with. Yeah. Just some powerful truths of what God says about us, right? So um, just knowing that we're created in his image, um, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, um, that he formed he created our inmost being, he knit us together in our mother's womb, right? Um, and so our, our frame isn't hidden from him, we have purpose. So even if you've been through things or um, there, there's so much purpose, you're created in his image and, and God personally, you know, he personally forms the babies in their womb. And so each baby has, has purpose, just like in Isaiah 44, um, verse 24, it says, the Lord, uh, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I'm the Lord who makes all things. So he's forming, he's the one forming this baby. So even if you've been through something horrible, God's the one who formed your baby, not the bad thing that happened to you. Um, and so, and not only that, God knows this baby and he has established purposes for each child before they were even born. And we see this um, 
where it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born. I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So God determines these things even before we're formed, even before we've yeah. entered the womb. God already knows and, and has purposes. He's established his, his purpose for each child. And then again, that children are a gift and a reward. So just some positive things to, yeah. to think about. Um, just knowing that these are powerful truths for how God made us, you know, that we're, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And, and he's so intimately involved in, in life, in, in conception and in birth. Um, he's the one creating and doing all of that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an awesome way to end it. Thank you so much for yeah. all of that. Yeah. And I enjoyed speaking with you and hearing your story and all of that. And, um, I hope we get to do it again soon. Yes, sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody.